Today, we're going to get back to the basics. First, let me ask you this. Are you saving for retirement? If you said yes, you have a company 401k plan. Awesome. That's perfect. But do you kind of know what's going on with it or do you really have a good understanding? Today, we are going to make sure that you really do understand all of your 401k plan rules. Plus, while we're at it, we're going to throw in the information that you need to know about IRAs. This is the Seven Figures Podcast, smart money strategies for women with Sandy Waters. It's the first Friday of the month and you know what that means. Our good friend, CFP VP at Morgan Stanley, Erica Cummings joins the conversation. We love it when you're on with us because we know that you're going to give us something. You're going to teach us something that's going to get us one step closer to being financially confident. So we really appreciate you doing this with us every month. Well, I look forward to it every month as well. Okay, so today we're going back to basics. Make sure that we really understand what's going on, what's out there for us to take advantage of. Essentially what I want to break down today is there's two main categories of retirement savings, either through your employer, which most of us are familiar with 401ks, or what we call self-directed, which would be a traditional or a Roth IRA. And... I just want to go through each one, make sure everybody understands, especially this time of year, because we're getting towards the end of the year, people are getting bonuses, and also we're getting to the point where once you get to December 31st, especially with those employer-driven plans, you can only contribute up until the end of the year. So we want to make sure that if you're getting some extra money here and there, that you're taking advantage of uh, as much as you possibly can inside of these different plans. So we'll break them down based on employer base versus what you can do yourself. And this is just 100% informational. I just want to always say that everybody's situation is completely different, but this is just the nuts and bolts of each plan. Absolutely. So when someone says to you, hey, a Roth IRA, you know exactly what that means. Exactly. Um, Now, when we refer to a 401k, if you're a government worker, it's called something different. There's two different other types of retirement plans larger companies offer. There's a 403B, so that's typically teachers, people that work for the state government. And then there's a 457 plan or what somebody would know as a thrift savings plan. So that's federal employees. um, And each of them has different contribution guidelines and investment lines, but essentially those are all employer-driven. But for most of the audience, they probably have a 401k, If they do have a 403B or a 457, the basic plan itself doesn't change much. There's some contribution limits that are different for 457 plans. But for the for the content of this conversation, it's really just about how do these plans work? And a lot of questions that come up lately is, do I go for a traditional 401k or if I now have an option for a Roth 401k, what is the difference between those two? And we're seeing a lot more plans offering that Roth option. So I get that question a lot. Okay, perfect. So let's start from the beginning then. What's the traditional? What are the rules that we need to know, the basics around them? So for each of these, for an employer 401k, if you do see that you're, you are allowed to have a Roth 401k as well, we'll talk about the, the main differences. They are taxes. So taxes going in versus taxes going out, the contribution limits to both, company matches, and then who's most likely to benefit from each one of these types of plans. Okay. So traditional 401k, that's what most people know. Uh, It seems like a daunting task sometimes when you start. 
I've heard that many times. I don't even know where to begin. I don't know where to start. Luckily, employers are and sponsors are getting the message and making the plans more user-friendly so that it doesn't seem so overwhelming. So they've tried to really streamline the investment menu that you have and make it a lot easier for you to set these up. And then once you set them up, it's a percentage of your salary that comes out every single pay period and then goes directly into the plan that you choose. So for the traditional plan, if you work for a big company, chances are this is what they offer. So first, let's talk about taxes. Your traditional 401k, your money goes in what we call pre-tax, so before it even hits your paycheck, which means that if I want to put in $1,000, 100% of that $1,000 goes into the plan. So let's say you make $50,000 a year, but you saved $5,000 in that traditional 401k. Your taxable income, so what's reported to the IRS as taxable income, is actually $45,000. It looks like you you made $5,000 less. Exactly. And you pay less in taxes now. So for some people, depending on the amount that they put into their 401k, it might actually bring them down an entire tax bracket. So the maximum amount for 2019 for everybody is $19,000 or $25,000 if you're 50 or older. Okay. So they call that they call that a catch up. This doesn't include the employer match, which we'll talk about in a second. But if you put, let's say, twenty five thousand dollars in, that could considerably decrease what your reportable taxable income is. So the benefit to the traditional from a tax standpoint is that it goes in pre tax. So it reduces your taxable income now and a hundred percent of that money goes to work. Okay, perfect. So it brings so it, down your salary by that amount, but yet you're capped as to how much money at the year end you could put in there. Yes. Yeah, so every 401k, regardless of whether it's a traditional or a Roth, you are capped at at that 19000 for everybody, and then the additional 6000 if you're age 50 and older. So if you're turning 50 that particular year and older, you can add what they call a catch-up. And then in some plans, right, you can, because some, for some people, they're like, what do you mean 5%, 10%, 20%? I don't know how that's going to really impact me and with the numbers. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, it's very simple to adjust that percentage. And if you go over that 19000 let's say, what do they do at that point? So they don't allow you to. Okay. So it's, you're not going to screw nice it up, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you can't, you can't uh, go over and then they have to pay it back to you. It's set up so that it knows to cap out because all of these are typically through a plan, what we call a plan sponsor. So somebody's coming in there, third party, doing all of the regulation work and also making sure that everything is, ERISA is the government entity that looks over all of our retirement plans and they make sure that they're meeting all those guidelines. Okay. So you don't have to worry about ever going over. And the nice thing, unlike what most people experience with their health care, and there are different benefits where we have what we call open enrollment, typically starting in the next month or two, where you have to pick your health benefits, you pick your insurances. And unless you have an actual, what we call a, a, a life event, which would be having a child, getting married, losing someone, they typically don't allow you to change those choices until the next open enrollment. Where a 401k, you can change the investment options, you can change the percentage that you're putting in. You have a lot of flexibility pretty much on a, on a regular basis, short of, you know, I can't say you could do it every single day, but 
there you're you're really, you're not bound to yeah you know if you put 10 percent in and all of a sudden you're saying oh my gosh my paycheck is a lot lower i don't know if i can continue this or maybe you do have something happen temporarily that you need to scale back or the opposite that you're starting to realize you know what we really can't afford to put more in you can change that pretty frequently so yes. you're not stuck so that that's what i always say to people is Try to go as high as you possibly can, especially when you're starting out, because you get used to that just not being there. And what's nice is if it's a percentage, that means your bonuses, that percentage goes out as well. And a lot of companies allow you to just take your bonus and put the whole thing in. So really look at trying to put as much as you possibly can in because you can always scale it back. I find that when people go too low, they start getting used to that paycheck. And then before you know it, they don't really want to increase it after that. Right, right. Okay, perfect. So the other part on the tax side for traditional 401ks is this money grows tax deferred. So that means that the, that you put $10,000 in for this year, and let's say it's up 10%, then the following year you don't pay taxes on that 10% growth. So you now have $11,000. And you don't have to pay taxes on that $1,000. That's what we call tax deferred. So you're deferring the taxes that you would pay on any gain until you're able to take those distributions out. And there's several penalties. And again, it depends on the situation. But for most people, you cannot gain access to your 401k until at the very earliest 55 if you retired and separated service from that particular company, but for most people it's 59 and a half. If you start to take distributions out that are not loans, which some programs do have loans, some programs don't, but if it's an actual distribution and it's before 59 and a half, oftentimes you will have to deal with penalties. Again, there's exceptions to every rule, but just keep in the back of your mind that these contributions should be looked at as long-term, and you want to think of them as not accessible. So we would not be looking at a, at a 401k as emergency reserves. Okay. And one quick question, because there was somebody who emailed me and asked me this. When you are leaving a job, you're going to another company, what do you do with that 401k plan? Do you roll it over? Do you leave it where it is? Can you convert it? What, what would you suggest? So everybody's situation is different, of course. You have three options, basically. You can... Leave it where it is. You can roll it over into the new company if they have a plan. You can roll it into that plan. Or you can roll it out into a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA if that was the type of plan you had. The benefit to bringing it out and putting it into your own self-directed IRA is that you now have complete control. You don't have to worry that they're going to change companies. So... A lot of employers will change 401k providers over and over and over again. And it has to do with the cost of the plans. It has to do with what we call fiduciary responsibility. So is that company going to take on um, the third party, is going to take on the fiduciary responsibility of the employees? So a lot of plans change often. So you may be with a ABC company for a while, and then all of a sudden they choose DEF company after that. The other thing is most 401ks, you do have limited guidance, especially if it's a big organization. You're not going to necessarily have as much guidance as you would get from, your, your, uh, from a financial planner. So 
if you're leaving, it may be difficult to leave it at the old employer. If you bring it over to the new employer, you are still stuck with whatever they have, or you can roll it out. What I really don't recommend is ever just cashing it out. Okay. Because if you cash it out and you're, you're younger than 59 and a half, now you're paying taxes on the entire amount that went in, and you're also paying that 10% penalty. If you convert it to an IRA or Roth IRA or roll it over to your new company, then you're, you're not facing any penalties. Right. It's a okay. non-taxable event. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. So from a tax standpoint with the traditional, the benefit is on the contributions. So you're not being taxed on those contributions. And then obviously the tax deferred growth. But once you start to take distributions out, they are 100% taxable at whatever tax bracket you all have at the time you start taking it out. So if you end up retiring and you think you'll have a lower tax bracket than you have now, then a traditional 401k would be the best way to go. So in other words, if you're at peak earning years and you retire and you think that you're not going to be earning as much or needing as much as you are now, mortgages are paid off, the kids are out of the house, and your bracket might be lower, then you may want to take advantage of the benefits now. Uh, But just keep in mind that 100% of the distributions will be taxable. Okay. So you don't pay tax now, but you will pay it later. Exactly. Okay. We talked about contribution limits. So we have $19,000 and $25,000. And then for everybody that's listening right now, if you have an employer match, please do your very, very best to at least put in enough that gives you 100% of your employer match. So if your employer matches 3%, at least put in enough to get the 3% because it's free money Mm -hmm. and no one else is giving you free money. So you put in 3%, they put in 3%, so now you're really investing 6%. If it's 100% of the match, yes, exactly. So each each match is different. It might be 50% up to 3%, which means that you have to actually put in 6 to get 3, if that makes sense. Yep. Everybody's plan is different, but you at the very least want to try and take advantage of that free money. You're not going to get that anywhere else. I like to see people contributing 10% of their pay. They should be, at a minimum, paying themselves 10%. And just get used to it from day one. 15% is even greater, but if you can start out... Because remember, if you're putting 10% into a traditional 401k... You're really not losing the full 100% of your dollar because a portion of that dollar would be taxed if you weren't putting it in there. So really, you're not losing a full dollar. You might be losing 75 or 80 cents. Or I'm sorry, you might be losing 20 or 25 cents because ultimately, if that dollar was taxed, you wouldn't get 100% of it. Now, do you have a sweet spot that you like to see people? Like you said, okay, start 10%, see if you can do that. What is Mm -hmm. the ultimate goal that you think we should try to achieve that it will be like, okay, you're in a good spot if you can contribute what? If you can contribute anywhere from 10 to 15%, I think you're in a pretty good spot. Okay. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I I mean, to me, that's, that's awesome. I mean, right now, the average American has less than $100,000 to their names when they hit retirement. So if you can get 10 to 15% in, that is amazing. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now let's move over to the Roth 401k. Why why is that different? What makes it so different? So 
So the Roth 401k, the biggest difference is taxes. So unlike the traditional where the money goes in and it's pre-tax, Roth 401k contributions are made with after-tax dollars. So you don't receive a tax break today. Okay, so it goes into your paycheck. It does hit your paycheck. It does get taxed. Yes. And then, and then, then putting, it goes okay. in. Okay. But it grows tax-deferred, and then all of the distributions when you retire are tax-free. So you pull the so, money out when you retire, and you'll never pay taxes on it because you already did up front. Exactly. Including exactly. the gains, including what we earned or made? Everything. Okay. Everything. Yep. See, now so, that's a good benefit It is a to that benefit. one, right? And again... The person who's most likely to benefit is if you think that you'll have a higher tax bracket when you are going into retirement. Isn't that hard to tell, though, because they keep switching? You know, who knows what politicians are going to do when it's time for us to retire, right? Isn't there some uncertainty there? There's certainly uncertainty. And I even think that there's certainly uncertainty with whether or not the tax situation with the Roths are going to change, too. Ah. We really don't know, okay. but we know what we know now. And I think that there's a couple of factors. Like I said, it's do I think that I'm going to have a higher bracket when I go into retirement? Also, how much time do I have and do I really need the tax benefit now? Okay. If it's something that you can do without and you're in your 30s, then the Roth will definitely make more sense in the long run. But a lot of people like having that tax break now especially if they're needing to have as much take-home pay as possible. So now you're paid the taxes on this, but this beefs up your income. So at the year end, now you're claiming that you made more money. Yeah. So right. if you put the okay. same situation, if you have that $50,000, but you put the 5000 in, you still earned $50,000. Okay. Still, you're still taxed at $50,000. And then that's where you have to play the game based on your specific situation. What is exactly. what is more beneficial to you? Now, you can do a little bit of both, right? You can do yes, a little bit. Okay. Yep. So the contribution limits for both are are the same, but they're a combination. So okay. You can't put 19000 into one and 19000 into the other. It's, it's all in, 19000 or 25000 if you're over 50. But you can do a mix if, you're, if you have that Roth 401k option. The other difference is the employer match. So the employer match is on both the traditional and the Roth going to be on a pre-tax basis. So in other words, even though you've contributed into a Roth 401k and all of your contributions are after tax, your match is going to be pre-tax. So you will have a component if you have an employer contribution that will be designated um, into a pre-tax account. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, but you could still take advantage of that match if you were all into the Roth. Yes, it would just be in a separate account Okay. would be a pre-tax account. I see, okay. So they still look at your contributions, even though your contributions are going into the Roth, and let's say we're at that 3% match. If you're putting that 3% in, they will match that 3%, but they're going to put it into... A pre-tax account because they don't have a way of giving you post-tax on a match. Okay, so then when you take that money out, the employer match money, then you're going to pay the taxes. You got it. Okay. One other big difference between these two is traditional 401ks, you have to start taking mandatory distributions at 70 and a half. Because it's grown pre-tax and your contributions were pre-tax, 
at some point in time, the government says, okay, time for you to start paying us some taxes back. Mm. So at 70 and a half, you have to start taking mandatory distributions. On a Roth IRA, because the taxes were paid in the beginning, there is no mandatory distribution. Okay. And that follows the same rules, though, as far as when you can take the money out? Yeah. So, well, there's a little bit of a caveat, too, to the Roth 401k. So Roth 401k, generally speaking, you will have that uh, 10% penalty, but they also have what's called the five-year rule. So if you put money in to a Roth 401k and you're going to retire within the next five years, you will end up paying taxes on those contributions and getting a penalty if you take it out within those five years. There's a five-year rule. It's not that big of a deal for most people. Most people, I wouldn't even have them probably putting it into the Roth if they've got two more years of work left because Uh you have to start taking distributions out. But it is a little caveat that that's there. Okay, so after you hit the five years, though, then do you get penalized if you withdraw? No. Okay. Nope. So you're good. You're good there as long as you have that. You're 59 and a half and have satisfied the five years. I know a lot of you are brains hurt right now because this is a lot of information, but this is fantastic because this is so clear. Okay, so now we're all caught up with the 401k, the Roth 401k. Typically, when people separate service, typically what they do is they will roll these out. So you'll roll out a traditional into a traditional IRA, and you'll roll out a traditional or a Roth into a Roth IRA. Okay. And this way they're both separated, you know how to deal with the taxes on both. So if you did choose to split them along the way, so let's say you took that 19000 and you decided you wanted to put half into a traditional 401k and half into a Roth 401k, you retire, you want to roll them out into your own private plan so that you have more control over them, you would roll them out into a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA, respectively, this way all the tax implications are maintained. Okay. And I would suggest, I would say you should have control. Don't leave it at your old company because then you're going to lose touch with that company. You're going to lose touch what's happening to the plan. It's right. It's, it's too- I can't tell you how many people forget that they have. Yeah. You will forget. Right. Okay. It's unbelievable how many people forget. I hear from clients that say, I just found a statement. I don't even know what it is. And really, if you think about how many times people change employers now? Sure. The average person works for eight different companies throughout the course of their lifetime now. Could you it's imagine? Not like it used to be. Eight it's 401k not, plans yeah. out there? It's not like it used to be where you, and then usually if you think about it, especially in your early years, when you're switching companies and you're getting into your new job, it's all about the new job. It's all about training and getting accustomed to the new job responsibilities you have and training and everything that you need to get, take care of. And you're worried about the benefits there and getting yourself enrolled in whatever you need there. It's very easy to forget about some of these things. And yeah, it's nice the windfall if you go 30, 40 years and forget you have an account, but you haven't had control <laughs> over it either all that time. So, okay. So, all right. Awesome. Is, yeah. Yeah. So there's a few other plans I just want to touch on. They're, they're not overly used because it's really, really specific to the person's occupation. But there is something called the solo 401k. So if you're a sole proprietor, let's say you're an independent contractor, you can have your own individual 401k. So 
it does cost more than having, let's say, a traditional IRA, but it does allow you to put a lot more money away for your retirement. Because there is a cap to the IRAs, too, as far as, okay. So for those of you out there that are sole proprietors, you definitely can take advantage of a solo 401k, and it really can allow you to pack a significant amount of money away. So, for example, you can make both employee and employer contributions because you're both. And so the total is $56,000 for this year. Mm. So for those people out there that are doing really, really well and they want to make sure that they're contributing as much as possible, this is awesome. But you have to be a sole proprietor, and it can only be you and your spouse. So your spouse can also work for you, but any other employees that you take on, you no longer can participate because now you have to get into a situation where if you're providing for yourself, you have to provide for your employees. Ah, okay. And I do want to point out that this is a great conversation to have with your kids, right? Even with their very first job, part-time job, when they're 16 to take advantage of some of the stuff that's on the table for them. You know, I don't know how many part-time jobs offer a 401k plan, but when we get more into what an IRA is, maybe that is an opportunity to teach them how to set money aside, get them used to that. Well, yes. And I just had this conversation with my son. He actually babysat for the neighbors across the street. And I was so proud of him because his friends were all out there playing football and Aww. I asked him after, yeah, I asked him after the fact because he didn't know his friends were going to be out there playing football. And I just imagined him staring through the window <laughs> saying, why did I choose this? You <laughs> why know? did I say yes? Especially since he babysat two little girls, although he has a sister, so he has some, some training there. But he was there from 6 to 9.30 and there was opportunity cost with that decision because he could have been out with his friends. It was a Friday night. It was fun. But... I asked him, and you know, he walked out, he made $40, and I said, do you regret it? He goes, no, I can play football anytime. So oh, I kind of checked off kid. that, and I said, okay, that's awesome. That's check mark number one for parenting. And then the next thing I said was, so what are you going to do with the $40? And it, it was great because it allowed us to have this conversation that you have three things that you can do with money that you earn or even gifts that you receive. You can either spend it, you can save it, or you can give it away, meaning be charitable with it. And you see that a lot with birthday parties lately. So kids aren't going to be as um, accepting of handing actual dollars away to a charity. But you see with birthday parties now, because our kids just have so much, they Mm -hmm. don't really need anything else. So a lot of the birthday parties that I've seen is instead of giving gifts to the birthday boy or birthday girl, they're having in lieu of that contributions to a particular charity or just recently it was bring food for the Victor Farmington food cupboard. So that's ways that we can teach our kids to be charitable. It's going to be harder for them when they get their paycheck to say, oh, yeah, I want to give part of this paycheck to a charity. Yeah. But the one thing with my son is I then talked about different levels of savings and their savings for something that you want in three months from now and their savings for something that you want three years from now. And then their savings for that's going to go way out. And obviously at 13 years old, he's not thinking way out, but I did say to him, if you, as you continue to work and you get a more of a permanent job, you may start thinking about the car you're going to want someday. And that's going to be years out, but the more you save, 
the more options you have. And so I think it's a really great conversation to start having with your kids because it's very hard to get them away from, like we all are, that instant gratification. Mm -hmm. But if they understand the concepts behind, if they could just understand the difference between spending and saving, I think it goes a long way. And absolutely starting them on planning for retirement. I know it sounds crazy. But I know, but they're going to be millionaires if they, st- I mean, exactly. easily millionaires if they start now with their first so gig. So many yeah. people. I don't know a single person who says, oh, I wish I hadn't saved this money. So Yeah, long I started too soon. Started <laughs> exactly. too soon with saving. I really, I really should have bought that extra pair of sneakers back then. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so, okay. I think it's a great conversation for the kids. The other two I just want to mention are SEP IRAs and simple IRAs. Again, these are for smaller companies, but they are the type. Some of you might be working for smaller companies, and these are two different types of retirement plans that your employers might offer as well. Um, again, there's contribution limits, but those are pre-tax, and they're generally if, if you're looking at a much smaller company. But those are just so that people out there don't feel as if they've been neglected in terms of what might be offered to them. Okay. All right. And now if you could break down Roth IRA versus just the traditional IRA. Okay. So it's very similar to what we discussed with the traditional 401k and the Roth 401k in terms of taxes. So a traditional IRA may, and I'll get into what may means, Mm -hmm. there's a little asterisk next to it. Your contributions may be tax deductible. You can contribute up to $6,000 a year and then $7,000 if you're 50 and older. So there's a $1,000 catch up for those that are 50 and over. The money grows tax deferred until you take out the withdrawals. You can contribute to both your 401k and an IRA. So if you're doing well and you can max out your your 401k and then you can put money into a 401k or an IRA, great. Uh, But the difference is, and this is the big thing, is if you're covered by a retirement plan at work. So if you have a plan at work, you can't deduct your IRA contributions from your taxable income if you earn more than $74,000 for single tax filers or $123,000 for married filing jointly in this this year, 2019. So I want to make sure that's clear. If you have a plan at work, if you're covered by a plan, that could be a pension, could be a 401k. If you have a plan at work and you're earning more than $74,000 as a single filer, $123,000 as a married filer, you will not be able to deduct your IRA contribution. So you don't have that tax benefit up front. Okay. Okay. After earning between $64,000 and $103,000, you can only get a partial deduction and then anything higher than that now you're getting to the point where you just can't you can't deduct it at all now if you have absolutely no plan at work so you are not covered at all so you work for an employer that does not offer any retirement benefits whatsoever you can take a full deduction no matter what your income is unless you are married filing jointly and you're has a retirement plan at work. Then there is contribution limits there depending on how much your spouse earns. Okay. So again, something that you it's, it's very, very individual, mm-hmm. depends on the person's situation. But most people look at a traditional IRA and think, oh, I can write that off because 
I'm making a pre-tax contribution, not necessarily the case. Okay. So just keep that in the back of your mind that you may, asterisk around may, be able to deduct the contribution. The good thing about an IRA is that you can make those contributions right up until the date you file your taxes. So unlike a 401k at work, where December 31st, end of the line, you can make an IRA contribution the day you're filing your taxes. And the reason that's so important is by that time, you'll have figured out where your taxable income is, is there a tax benefit to this? There are people that contribute to an IRA just because it's going to bring them down a bracket or oh, it's going yeah. to save them taxes. So what's nice is it does give you the opportunity to actually see the full picture before making the contribution. Okay, so that's something to bring up to your tax advisor, too, when you go this year. See if it'll... Exactly. Okay. So very similar to the traditional 401k, you do have to start taking mandatory distributions at 70 and a half. And we went through the income limits and the contribution limit. So again, $6,000 and $7,000 if you're 50 and over. As far as the Roth, for, a Roth IRA, with a Roth IRA, everything, no matter what, is after-tax dollars. Your contributions are all after-tax. You have absolutely no tax deduction under any circumstances for that contribution. Okay, so it hits your paycheck. You put it in to the Roth IRA. But then- you got it. Again, when you withdraw then, that's when you're getting the benefit, right? Yes. The money um, you earn grows tax-free, and you pay no tax on the withdrawals once you reach that 59 and a half. And there's no mandatory withdrawals at 70 and a half, because remember, the government's not getting any taxes from you at 70 and a half, so they don't really care. Mm. So the big difference here is you may not be able to contribute to a Roth IRA because unlike the deductibility of the traditional, the Roth IRA is all about how much you make and your ability to actually even participate. So to contribute to a Roth IRA, you must make less than $137,000 if you're a single, 203000 if you're married filing jointly. If your income is more than 122,000 as a single or 193,000 as married filing jointly, you're allowed to make a contribution, but it's reduced. Ah, okay. Okay, you can contribute to both, so you can put a little in a Roth and a little in an IRA, but again, it's up to that 6,000 or 7,000 if you're 50 and over. Okay. Now the money. So I know it's a lot. Yes. No, but that's good that you said it. You said it nice and slow, so, yeah. so we yeah. can take what you say, digest it, and then listen to yeah. the next statement. Yeah. Okay. Um, can you, with a Roth IRA, can you? You're not allowed to touch any of that money until you're 59 and a half, or can you take out what you contributed? Yes. So you can take out what you contributed because in that case, there's it's no harm, no foul. So you haven't. You didn't get any benefit on that contribution, so you can take it out. Okay. Where you start getting into penalties and taxes is if you're taking it out before 59 and a half, or also that five-year window also applies. So if you're 57, 59 and a half is not the age, it's 62. Mm-hmm. Then it's, okay, how are my gains taxed or if they're penalized? And that really has to do with what you're taking it out for, when you're taking it out. There are some, like I said, depending on the situation, 
You can take certain distributions out for college education, first-time home buyers. There's very, very small caveats to these rules. But for most people, you generally don't want to look at these as something you're going to touch until retirement. Yeah, this is money that you're setting aside for. You don't need this money immediately. Exactly. This is not emergency reserves unless you are in really dire, dire straits. Okay. Oh, gosh, Erica, this was good, though. I feel good. Does everybody feel good? We all feel good. This was a lot, but this was good. I feel like we went from the September podcast. Take care of yourself. I know. For yourself. And now it, it, they're probably listening going, who is this woman? She was so empowering last month. And now she sounds like a textbook. No, but it's good because this is information that a lot of people or we feel like a lot of people assume we understand. And yes. there are so many people who don't. 100% understand. They kind of just go along with it like, yeah, 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 I get it. And you don't yeah. really understand. So that's why we wanted to break it down and lay it all out for you. So yeah. now you feel good. Now you really understand. Oh, Hopefully, you're the best. yeah. After yeah. all of that, yeah. And if you have any questions and if it was yeah. confusing at any point, please reach out to us. I would say reach out to Erica because she really is the expert. And you could always, I'll put your email in the show notes, but you can always just Google Erica Cummings. She is a CFP VP at Morgan Stanley. If you go to the Morgan Stanley website, Erica Cummings, is that where you're going to list all your seminars when you do have one of those pop-ups? Okay. Yeah, because we have one in October, actually. We have I think it's October 23rd and October 24th. Oh, perfect. You can always just reach out to us if you're interested in coming. The one we're doing in October is demystifying your finances. So that would be a great one for any any woman out there who is looking at how do I make this something that I can actually digest. And we use real tips that you can go home and immediately put to good use. And we really just demystify all the jargon and the noise that's out there. And these seminars are just open for you to just come and learn. Yeah. Thank you so much, Erica. You're You're the best. You're welcome. Next week on the Seven Figures Podcast, will you too be one of the many to follow the minority mindset? That is what his YouTube channel is called. And there are millions of subscribers and followers. Jaspreet Singh will teach us about the minority mindset next Friday. Till then, you have a fantastic weekend. We raise a glass and we say cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at sandy at rochesterbuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the 7 Figures podcast. Smart money strategies for women.